Hello, I'm Ian Campbell from Palliative Care Australia. Welcome to Thursdays at Three, conversations with people living and working at the end of life. Today, we launch a new online training module that aims to highlight the power of spirituality in the delivery of health and palliative care and support the health professionals and the spiritual care practitioners who do this great work in our healthcare system. The first module is called The Essence of Spiritual Care. This free course is a great collaboration between the Spiritual Health Association and Palliative Care Australia. And it's available right now via the SHA and PCA websites. And I'll make sure there's a big fat link in the show notes to make it easy for you to access this free training as well. To tell us more, we're joined by Sarah Fleming from South Australia. Sarah is a nurse practitioner who comes to this conversation with 23 years of experience in paediatric palliative care. Thanks for your time this afternoon, Sarah. You're welcome. And also Luke Bowen, who's the chair of the Spiritual Health Association. Luke's also the director of patient safety, experience and clinical excellence and the director of medical workforce at Austin Health. Thanks for your time today, Luke. Glad to be here. Terrific to be able to share your work and wisdom with our Thursdays at Three audience. Let's start with the, the basics. Spiritual care, what is it? What are we talking about? Luke, do you want to start? Sure, sure, And Look, it's a really big question and I suppose also a, a simple question as well, isn't it, around um, we could say, you know, meaning, purpose, connection of, of all people and for some people that will connect to uh, some of their, I suppose, maybe religious or some of their beliefs in their background. But I think for many people now it's merging into much a much more um, universal and much larger space where people are approaching life and asking uh, questions and, and searching really for that um for that for that meaning and their sense of connection with what's going on around them and and I think particularly in the health setting we're seeing that more and more and and I mean we don't want to probably talk too much about COVID in this space but I think the last couple of years has really um, put the focus on people really having some inner reflection inner inner searching trying to make sense of where they're at in the world and and then um, considering I suppose some of the, the the things in this space, particularly around palliative care and other places, uh, really putting um, those life questions forward and and being able to explore those in a way that uh, um, frameworks can kind of be hung on. I suppose a, a bit like you know hanging the washing out, being able to hang them up and have a look at them and and uh, reflect on those in a way that makes sense. It certainly has been one of the, the positives out of the last three years, us all realising what is important in life and trying to prioritise that. Sarah, how do you answer that question? What is spiritual care? How would you answer that? Um, I think spiritual care is that dimension, you know, that acknowledges spirituality as sort of, you know, that um, such an essential part of who someone is as a person and how they experience life and um Ultimately, you know, death gives that a good old kick um, and the search for meaning and, you know, often in our clients that sort of that sense of uh, meaning and purpose and connection and hope really cops a whack. Um, and so it becomes sort of a um, an unspoken but predominant suffering really um, uh, or experience or developing of wisdom. And so to me, spiritual care is kind of, moving into seeing and being with people um, in that and it's not solving it's not fixing it's a it's a hard thing for a for a, um, a clinician 
Um, you know, I know as a nurse, for me, a lot of it, you know, I'm, I'm used to finding what's going on and fixing. And um, it's not about fixing necessarily at all. A lot of those things you can't. But mm-hmm. helping with with the power of, of effective pre- presence and, and to be alongside people and to, to help them to grow within that um, so that that... There's there's a new sense of connection and and hope and redevelopment. So um, spiritual care, I think, is about acknowledging that and and hopping in there with them. Hmm. Luke, as I mentioned, this new training that we're launching today is a great collaboration mm-hmm. between Palliative Care Australia and the Spiritual Health Association. What prompted the need for this online training? Where did the need come from? That's a great question as well. And I think from Spiritual Health Association's perspective, um, we've been on the journey towards, um, I suppose, how do we educate our, our, our workforce, our clinicians out there? And, and whilst our spiritual care practitioners on the ground have a level of qualification and understanding, our workforce really is much larger than that. And I like um, Sarah's comment around that that um, that presence because uh, I remember working as, as a, a practitioner myself in palliative care for many years and, and you know I was funded for 16 hours a week and, and the ward ran 24-7 so how do we effectively provide that and I suppose connecting that into this education has been a real desire for Spiritual Health Association and, and really it, mm-hmm. it kicked off with um, working with our Chief Executive Officer uh, Miss uh, Cheryl Holmes who was asked to just review some of the content of the modules and and. Cheryl's a very innovative woman who, who said, well, hang on, this, this is great. How, how do we expand uh, the, the scope of this, of this content? And, and, and you know, because the principles apply across the sector, they're not, not, not just, just for one group, you know, the, just the conversation was had about what is spiritual care. You can see within this module that it's, it's certainly something broader that's not just belonging to one part of the sector as well. And I suppose Spiritual Health Association being that peak body here in Victoria, and providing that guidance is how we've provided some, I, I hope, really helpful feedback and guidance on the development of it. Mm. Who should be doing this training? Work? Who do you think might be interested in doing this? Look, I, I, I would say all clinical staff, to, to be honest with you. I think this is a, a, a dimension that we often overlook. We, we do rely on... on um, in some health services, on 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 you know a, a discreet few people to to provide um, spiritual care, but really it's everybody's business. You know we treat we treat the whole person, and I know here at Austin that we 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 don't look at people with just you know livers or hips or arms or eyes. We 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 look at the whole person, and I think that's the key message in this training. The person before us is who who we should see, yeah, seeing the whole person. So certainly that's an element of the education. Mm-hmm. Let's hear about the experiences that both of you have had in, in sort of using, I guess, a spiritual care practice in your in your broader health health career. And let's hear about some of the experiences that you guys have had. Sarah, starting with you, tell us of, of the, the power of spiritual care, the power that you've seen spiritual care have for the the, the people, the families who've who've been in your care. Um. I think it's about um, that everyone comes as a whole and your ability to tolerate discomfort of any kind is connected to all the different experiences that that feed into that discomfort. So, you know, there might be, you know, obviously a physical aspect to discomfort, but also, you know, and a thinking around that, 
But I think existentially, if your spirit, if your soul is just so damaged, then your ability to bear things is so low. And so that interconnectedness and I was thinking about, you know, when Luke was talking about who needs to do it, the reason why everybody needs to do this is because um, we, uh, that moment to talk with a family might not be one that's designated by a particular kind of spiritual care provider. It may be one expression of pain that comes up in the middle of a discussion about something very different that needs to not be scooted over that needs to be stopped and gone hang on a minute did i just hear you say um Mm -hmm. or you know tell me a bit more about why or i was thinking this morning in preparation for this talk about you know the very real context of a um in my experience of a parent saying they're not sleeping and, um, you know, nurse Sarah is thinking, oh, well, I need to get some sleep hygiene going for them and get them going for walks and getting them, you know, having a warm drink. But in actual fact, many of the time I would do more good in stopping and saying, do you want to talk to me? Tell me about what are you thinking and feeling at two o'clock when you're not sleeping? Because in the end, it's probably very much a spiritual dimension, an existential thinking and feeling dimension, which is why they're not sleeping. And, you know, uh, running towards that conversation and opening it up is really super important. And I, I think sometimes we've done more good when we've um, facilitated that or stayed in that moment or, you know, the times, um, mm-hmm. unbelievably for me, but the times that I've actually shut up and just sat there in that moment and, and not filled it and let them fill it with that sense of um, meaning and purpose and, yeah, Sarah, is it the art of the conversation or are there there practical things that you've been able to do to support someone's spirituality? Yeah, I think it's um it's an interesting um thing that kind of the baby went out of the bathwater with organized religious practice. Um that people sort of assume that because someone doesn't affiliate with a particular nice handy labeled religion like um Catholicism, for example, and baptism, um, that we forget what ritual might mean to someone and that spirituality and um, the soothing of the soul can often be around meaningful ritual and and stuff. And recent studies have looked at young people who don't affiliate with a particular religion, but very much are looking for us to, to provide that suggestion to them or that thing. So the practicalities of saying to someone, are there any you know, rituals or things that you're drawn to, ideas that you've had that you think, oh, that might be cool, that might even seem a bit weird, but you think might be good. Or was there anything that happened in your childhood that you think of now or or something that would represent um, reassurance or ritual or whatever? So I think there are definitely practicalities um, to that. And um, many as the chaplain or, you know, um, spiritual care support person that I've spoken to who've said that, you know, m- most families are very comfortable with the concept of some sort of prayerful time of, of, of thinking and being, um, regardless of what their belief systems are. Um, so I think it's that practicality of putting it out there and being, um, allowing that, permitting that dimension of discussion without without labels um mm. what about you luke as a spiritual health practitioner how have you seen the power of spiritual care 
play out on the ward, play out in someone's home, play out in any sort of setting? What sort of experiences have you had with people? Yeah, look, there's a couple that come to mind and I think about an individual that I worked with many years ago and, and my memory's a little bit scratchy, but I, we, we, that multidisciplinary approach I think is one of the vital elements around mm. seeing the spiritual care practitioner as a member of the team and we were really fortunate here at Austin to have music therapy as part of our service mm. offering in, in palliative care and I remember one gentleman working with um, who um, had some religious frameworks, I think he was an ex-Catholic, you know, he was a booted out he used to call himself out of the church couldn't go back type element which is what we used to encounter a lot in the hospital but um you know had a really had a really difficult story and and it's interesting sarah mentions that those uncomfortable places because a lot of the stories are very uncomfortable and and um i think it comes with with time and experience and age that those those stories are never uncomfortable but you're able to sit with them more easily i think over time and, and this particular man um, had some challenging things that, that he'd been involved in and not, not not done himself but had been involved in and, and um, through the music therapist, um, you know, got in, interest back in music and one of the part of the music, you love musical theatre. And, and I remember um, and, you know, having a conversation one day and saying, so what, you know, what's your favourite musical theatre, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, it was Les Mis. And what a story of tragedy if you'd ever heard it. Um, and I remember this gentleman, um, you know, exploring his story using some of the songs from Les Mis and it was um, an element where he uh, was able to find some um, connection through some something that was meaningful for him but also a place to kind of hang some of the elements of his story because of, often when um, spiritual care practitioners are trained around that reflective practice, it's about trying to find a connection into your tradition mm. or into your sense of connection into a, a, a belief framework and, and you could see that happening with the, with the man that I, I think you know was able to find some place for some of the difficult elements of his story I don't think you'd ever be healed from that story but being able to you know find some space amongst mm. kind of that calamity and that was one of the words that was consistently used around the calamity of his life and it's an interesting mm. word to think about in the space of spiritual mm. care because it's trying to order often the calamity that sits around people and that that transformative space but I, th I think strongly connected with that was around um, working with staff um, and, mm -hmm. and one of the things that um, we used to run debriefing with staff once a week which was a really informal come in and you know food food in a clinical environment never lasts very long on a, on a plate in a nurse's station um, and you know getting being able to get in a room and talk things through but um, we first started some of that work um you know the spiritual care practitioner sitting there trying to run these sessions and people wouldn't talk you know and it, and it often took that 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 nurse of 20 years to sit down and, and make the first comment to give permission mm -hmm. to the room to speak but you know that 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 collaboration between the spiritual carer and and um the nurses to to have a, a space where that those you know to to say that was really difficult you know that 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 bloke story was really hard for me to sit with and, and we're talking about graduate nurses you know people first year out and they're doing the rotations through palliative care and all of a sudden you know they're having to wrap and pack bodies at the end of the day and and lots of really confronting things to sit with and i think that's where spiritual care is able to kind of come alongside as you say or or say you don't you know you don't have to have any answers or well yeah it's tough far out <laughs> you mm. know really permissive environment so engaging in spiritual care and, and the first step is this training module that we're launching today is not only good for the patient and their families but for the healthcare worker themselves and, and their mm -hmm. own sense of well-being 
could not agree more. And I think that, um, you know, we, and, and particularly we come straight out of university now, we come into this environment and, you know, we've had all our junior docs start here in the last couple of weeks at Austin and it's a hard environment to come into. And Sarah, you know, I appreciate to hear your reflections in your space, but it's, this is why these modules are really important because it starts to plant the seeds, I think, and sets them up for what they might see. Would you agree, Sarah, you've had a 23-year career in paediatric palliative care. You've had to look after your own well-being during the course of those 23 years. Has, has spiritual care played a, a role for you? Um, I think it's one of those sort of unmissable boxes that you have to tick to, you know, to face such existential suffering, such an unfair thinkable thing as the death of a child in a mm. death denying society where you know we're meant to be more clever than that we don't talk about it etc you've kind of got to have your own poop together about your own thoughts and beliefs and practices in order to go the journey with a family to withstand the the you know and I, I was very lucky I went to a, um, a conference in Singapore a few a long time ago many sleeps ago and Reverend Desmond Tutu's daughter spoke, and she's a minister herself. And she talked about that healthcare professionals have to have a dynamic spiritual development practice, and that they she exhorted us to do an annual review of our beliefs and what we had learnt, what blows we'd taken, what did that mean for us, the life, the world, and everything kind of stuff, and to develop our own. Uh, value set that felt safe in our core from a, our own spiritual beliefs point of view and if that if we if we worked on that and held that safe then we would be able to be more fully present for someone else's experience because we knew that we had ours tucked away and sorted and we, that we had self-care practices to work with it and to talk to people about but then we could hold the space for someone else and and hold and work in their experience so it's it's you know um because some deaths are harder than others as well some things hit us more personally than others the why question's always there like there's no way you don't you don't get to just settle down with it i i, I didn't get the you know i never i haven't ever got to an answer as to why do children die yeah. why do they you know why do people get these awful you know mm -hmm. um but other people find themselves a context, but I think the important thing is to address it because if you don't go to that sort of spiritual safety zone or, or work on that for yourself, you, you can't um, do that for others. And I, 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 I've I worked my way through the first first module and it does make you reflect. It's, it's very helpful. I don't think you can do these things too often at all. Mm. Super smart. Um, in our world and perhaps in a health system so based on science, it's really easy to poo-poo some of this stuff, to push spiritual care aside and see it as hippie mumbo-jumbo, perhaps, if you don't mind me putting it that way, to push it aside, to, to downplay its importance. But, Sarah, you said something really interesting a, a while ago around people's ability to cope with discomfort, that if they have a strong spirit, they're better able to cope with discomfort. Are we able to, I guess in that really scientific way, prove the benefit of spiritual care in that less drugs, um, less draw on the health system, if, if people's spirit is, is strong, if they are able to sit with their discomfort in, in, a, in a better way. Are we able to prove the, the power of spiritual care in, in any of those scientific ways? Yep, 
Yeah, there are actually articles re referenced in the course that actually talk about studies that have been done that have talked about the impact of this kind of work and how it has an impact on the whole well-being, not just of the patient, but the family as well, um, for, for sure. The one I haven't seen, um, I might be wrong, I just haven't found it, is what the impact on, on bereavement outcomes are of good spiritual care uh, during that journey, the, the outcome for the survivors. But um, yeah, and and most, most clinicians would have examples they could share with you where they banged on and on and on with this drug, that drug, the next drug, these explanations. And it wasn't until that person had some sort of aha moment where something got sued by an art therapist or mm -hmm. there was some significant conversation when suddenly the requirement for all of that just decreased. And um, Luke, are you able to, to tease that point out a little further around, I guess, the, the benefit to the family and friends that are, that are left behind or are, or are supporting someone through their healthcare journey? Um, does spiritual, help, spiritual uh, care help the grief and bereavement process and, and help family and friends and carers cope with the situation better? Look, I, I, I'd say yes, where it's offered offered well, and I think that's one of the things. And I know it's really really difficult in public health, where um, unfortunately we're not often funded for a lot of post care support, particularly in a major tertiary like we are here. But um, absolutely, we we did some work here around some bereavement. Um, follow-up of our families in our palliative care unit um, it just as an example um, of, of giving it you know reaching out between five and ten days after death which is a bit unusual the literature will tell you to wait six weeks or a bit longer but our nurses felt such a strong connection with the family um, and the and the spiritual care worker as well to, to just to reach out and say hey just just checking in uh, you've spent some time with us we just want to make sure you're okay or is there anything we can do for you and and that that idea of um, people begin to identify with either their health service or their treating team their doctor like you come to know people very well mm -hmm. and the narrative coming back to that idea of story and with perhaps some of that mumbo jumbo we do tend to play down the story of a person a bit in that understanding and and what we used to find with our patients in the families they got sick of telling their story and yeah. it's different when they lock eyes yeah. with the with the particularly the spiritual care practitioners who's heard all the ups and downs and and there's a there's a saying out there of being able to see the other and you can see the families that they, they'll pick out that person. We've got a, a gentleman here, Dennis, who works in our palliative care unit. And Dennis like they they, they draw a connection that, that lives on post death. And, and I suppose the other element is um, you think about, you know, it's not just palliative care units, I think about our intensive care units here and done mm -hmm. many you know, supported um, long deaths of people in ICU, um, which can be really drawn out difficult moments for families. But being able to stand beside the family and provide that forum to say, you know, are there, are there elements that we want to share? Are there things we want to say? Are there things that we want to do? How do we want to express our grief and explore that? I think many, many families would, would agree that sometimes they need help from from people to help nudge them into that space to help them you know start to try and make sense or offer suggestions on how to make sense and that's not for everyone mind you but i'd say predominantly people would would respond you know positively to that and welcome that um, mm. connection because they do look sorry to to the chaplain or to the pastoral care practitioner right. as an element of expectation you've done this before tell me how to do it <laughs> This module is a great intro to that very question, isn't it? Yeah. To, to going down that path and, and being able to provide that spiritual care. We just touched on, I guess, one of the challenges or one of the barriers to 
to spiritual care and engaging in spiritual care, what would your advice be to health professionals who want to bring this to their workplace? It's perhaps not there at the moment, but they want to raise the profile of spiritual care and and sell it to their team in, in a way. What advice would you have for healthcare professionals who who want spiritual care to play a greater role in their workplace? Look, look from my perspective, I, I think, you know, I, I hold a, a role here at Austin in clinical governance and, and I, you know, we work with our national standards program, et cetera, and it's very clear in our standards that are the framework for how we deliver care here in this country, that, that, that when it comes to people, future care planning, you know, that those years of their life, that we should have these discussions with people. And my advice to clinicians is we should be seeking out through our clinical governance networks, through our spiritual care services, if we have them or through, you know, those designated roles that we are having uh, the intent to, to educate our, our workforce about this. And I think that how, how can we really plan care for patients in a way that's meaningful if we're not having that discussion? And I think it's kind of an introspective um question of when we're sitting there writing the plan of care and we're having the interdisciplinary or multidisciplinary discussion around the next steps for the patient are, are we truly um, the psychosocial mm. box which is often just a tick box on a form you know are we confident when we tick that 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 we really understand what that means and that's you know that's kind of a challenge or you want to put out there to say just just stop for a second and, and think about that and um and and you know those services that do have a, a pastoral care or a spiritual care service you know get to know them, have a conversation with them. You know, do you know the person in your team that provides that expert service? And I think about, you know, we should see those people as as the expert, but the reality we've all got a role to play, you know, in, in that. And that's what this education does. It provides everybody with that kind of um, entry level um, and also some some good skills to, to start the journey in the conversations and to, when, when to refer to the experts as well or when to get some advice from the experts to help in that, you know, the in caring for that person while they're with us in that space. Sarah, any closing thoughts or wisdom from you? I think in that area, I think there's two. There's always two selling points. And the first one is to do the right thing by the family and the patient. And, you know, certainly in Module 1, you know, it deals with a family with regrets um, that, that things weren't uh, understood or shared with them. And, you know, that sense of, oh, my goodness, that would have been such a simple thing um, and, you know, to have let a family down, really, and for that to be such a pivot point of their suffering later um, is 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 rough. And so just that encouragement to say, you know, we, we need to go there. And I think our population is increasingly demanding that. Our very diverse population is, mm. is, a, is a great unknown for us. And that's okay. Let it be unknown. Just learn the techniques on how to go in as dumb bunny and 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 get there with it and and that that's perfectly okay but the other dimension the other cell for why people would want to do this is don't you want to feel more comfortable with this you know here's a here's some stuff that would actually help you to do some reflection and to perhaps develop some comfort points about how you might handle that better when it comes up in front of you um so you know that sort of double thing of do do better by our patients, but also feel better within ourselves. Um, yeah. Nicely said. The free online training that we've been talking about today that we're launching today is called The Essence mm -hmm. of Spiritual Care, a great collaboration between the Spiritual Health Association and Palliative Care Australia. 
The free training is available right now through the SHA and PCA websites and there's a big fat link in the show notes as well. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Luke, for your time today, but also for the, the care and support you deliver to our community. Thanks for sharing your time with us today. Thank you. And whether you're listening or watching, thanks for tuning into Thursdays at three. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>